continue to uh, build upon. Lord, it would add to uh, our knowledge and understanding of your word and our knowledge and understanding of your character, uh, but also, Lord, your desire uh, that there would be genuine repentance and a humbling of people before you, not for destruction or vengeance, but that you would provide mercy. We pray, Lord, that you would uh, just open our eyes and uh, just be with us in this time tonight. In your name we pray. Amen. Now, the previous chapters we've been in uh, have all been related, as you might recall, to the judgment of who? Israel. More specifically, Judah. Remember, Israel can be, can be applied to the, uh, the entire land, uh, but again, the true northern kingdom of Israel had been carried away uh, by the Assyrians. And then uh, what Ezekiel was primarily prophesying was about the destruction of Jerusalem and the complete and final destruction of Judah, which would have been the southern kingdom. So all of the prophecies, all the, the crazy things he had to do laying on his side, and all the things that we, uh, that we looked at all applied to God bringing judgment and destruction on Judah and on Jerusalem. Uh, but here we see these other nations spoken of. He's not speaking of Israel, although Israel is related to this because obviously uh, they're making fun and they're laughing that Israel has, is going to be destroyed. Or, or you know, he's looking to the future when they're laughing when the destruction comes. So uh, the response of them, the Lord has told uh, Ezekiel exactly how each of these nations will respond to uh, Israel being judged. But uh, the nations around the world, whether they believe in God, and, and you know, you look around the world today, there's many nations that don't believe in God. Wouldn't you agree? Uh, I think I just saw, I just, I either just read or saw a poll uh, this past week that most Americans, for the first time, I think uh, more Americans believe America is not a nation that follows God anymore, uh, or, or a nation under God. Uh, so, uh, obviously, we have many more Christians than, than some other nations, both in real number of Christians and percentage-wise. But many, many countries around the world uh, certainly are not God-fearing. They don't, uh, they don't believe in God. They don't follow God. In Psalm chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, and then verses 4 and 5, you might be familiar with this passage, where the psalmist writes, Why do the nations rage? And the people plot a vain thing. In other words, something that they plot, but they can't really bring it to pass. Like revolting against God. The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. Not only against the Lord, but those that name the name of the Lord. And those that are called of the Lord. And even the nation of the Lord. Take, for example, Israel. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. He shall speak to them in his wrath. You know, anything that a, a country can do, any military might it has, any economic might it has, really, God, he says he just laughs at it. There's really nothing, anytime he wants to, uh, he can just clear the table of the world. He chooses not to do that, but he gives long periods of time to nations, and certainly these nations around Israel, although they saw Israel collapse into moral decay, just like the nations around the world would look at America today and say, but you guys have in God we trust on your dollar bill. You guys have 400 plus churches in Richmond. 
You guys have steeples all over the place. You guys have tons of Christian radio stations. You guys have Christian magazines. You guys have Christian television. You guys have all of this, and I see that your country still rejects God. So the rest of the world would look at us and say, but we don't, we don't have all that stuff. So you could kind of expect us to not accept your God. We don't have all that that you have. And Israel had uh, everything we have in a different sense. Obviously they had Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They had Moses. They had the law. They had the talk of the Old Testament. They had the temple. They had the prophets. They had the judges, right? They had all of this to look to. And the nations around them uh, would at times see Israel under great blessing. But they certainly would look at uh, Israel and probably scratch their heads at times and say, why are you acting like us? But they also, even though they would look on at Israel and maybe scratch their heads sometimes why Israel didn't follow the very God who had delivered them out of Egypt way back when, taking them across the Red Sea in the 40 years in the wilderness and up into the Promised Land, even though the other nations knew Israel's history, would probably sometimes wonder, why, why don't you follow the, your God? We follow our gods. They also uh, had a lot of strife, battles, bloodshed, disdain for Israel, and vice versa. Israel many times didn't like them either. And so these are the nations that, uh, that surround Israel. Ezekiel, he's going to remain silent as if you're with us in our last study in the 24th chapter, where the Lord tells him, you're just going to now be silent on Judah and on Jerusalem. He's going to remain silent until the siege, until the slaughter and the destruction is completed, and that'll be completed in 586 B.C. So remember when he receives the word in chapter 24, there's about 18 months of siege before the destruction would take place. That makes sense? So he receives the word. It'd be like you and I receiving some word right now tonight, and tonight starts an 18-month campaign until it's complete. So uh, when he receives the word in the 24th chapter, there's about an 18-month period where the siege around Jerusalem will get so grave, so serious that people will eat each other, uh, starve to death, and then finally when Babylon breaks through the walls and comes through uh, and destroys and sets on fire the city, and all those things would take place. That'll happen in 586 B.C. And then as Ezekiel is told by the Lord, someone will escape and tell him the details. And of course, that's going to take place uh, when we get a little further in our study. Uh, But during the 18-month siege, the Lord would still have him continue to prophesy. He'd have him continue to pronounce judgment. He'd have him continue to teach. He'd have him continue to rebuke and warn but not directed toward Israel. During that 18-month period, all the teaching, all the warning, all the rebuke would be directed at other nations. His preaching and uh, prophesying would be directed towards Gentile nations. Each of them had been a thorn in the side to Israel for a long time. Each of the ones that he's going to prophesy against at various times. Uh, And even certainly uh, Judah with the last... Uh, peace of Israel standing, had experienced things with each of these nations. So here in chapter 25, Ezekiel, uh, what he's doing is he's passing along God's verbatim condemnation. Uh, God pronounces judgment on uh, four nations here. There'll be seven total nations that the Lord will pronounce judgment on. 
uh, from chapters 25 to chapter 32. Seven Gentile nations, four of them uh, we'll look at here tonight in the 25th chapter. Uh, a good thing to remember, too, is, um, you know, this is part of the, uh, part of the job description of being a prophet. And, and if you're going to preach the Word of God and teach the Word of God, uh, you'll sometimes say things that you know that nobody wants to hear. But it's always important that when you quote God, you just quote Him verbatim. Because God speaks for himself, and so Ezekiel's not making these things up. He never made them up for Israel, and he's not making up from these four countries either. Uh, one thing we also can understand about God is he's no respecter of people. Israel was the apple of his own eye. True? And Israel will receive an incredibly harsh, devastating judgment. These other nations, uh, they're not called the apple of his eye, but uh, God still desires them to be saved as well. But all nations will receive the same justice. You and I, we don't have the ability to mete out justice because at some level uh, we, we would follow God's word, but still we are not perfect to be completely just. God is perfect to be completely just. So any judgment he renders is completely just. You and I would be flawed to some degree uh, in, our, in our judgments. That's why uh, a government runs well when it follows the Word of God because it will be far more just when men don't follow their own judgments and opinions and they follow the Lord's. But the Lord's going to be equally just uh, to these nations as He is to Israel. It's not comforting probably to these nations once they hear what's coming their way as well. Let's start to look at what... Uh, is being said here by the Lord. Uh, we'll start with Ammon. Uh, by the way, if you're taking notes, I've titled our time in God's Word tonight, Because God is Aware. Because God is Aware. Whatever's happening in the nations, God knows about it, and He knows the response. He knows the response before it happens, doesn't He? And so each of these nations are going to have a response to Israel's judgment as uh, when Babylon finally comes in and the destruction is complete in 586 B.C., if it was like in today's time, and if it could be filmed live, and the people in Ammon could be watching it on their iPad, and the people in Moab could be watching it on their TV set, and the people in Edom could be watching it on their phone, and the people in uh, Philistia, if they could be watching it on some devices too, they could all be crowding around with great joy and anticipation to see Israel leveled. You know, it's, it's kind of hard to, when you watch some of the violence that's taking place in the world right now, and you see people cheer it and love it. I, I, it's, it, the depths of evil, it's hard for me to uh, even understand. I know that we all have the same, same capacity for evil because we all are sinners saved by grace. So don't think that uh, we don't have the capacity. Your ancestors and my ancestors did some of the same things. If you go far enough back, you're going to find somebody. But when you watch the depravity of man and the people just, the bloodlust and the thirst for it and enjoyment of it, you, it, you can't understand it. But then you realize the hatred people have for other people is so deep. And this is what we're looking at here and God is addressing this it happened in ancient times, just as it's happening in our time. And he first starts with Ammon. So he says, uh, Son of man, set your face against the Ammonites, prophesy against them. 
Behold, uh, because you, uh, here's, uh, there's four times here the Lord, uh, each one of these nations, the Lord starts out with because. Uh, God is going to give a judgment, but he's going to give a reason for each judgment. Uh, he doesn't have to give a reason, he doesn't owe anyone an explanation, but when he's given the prophecy to Ezekiel, each time he says, because, because, fill in the blank. Here's what the reasons are. Because, you said aha, which is like, this is great, against my sanctuary when it was profaned, the temple there. Uh, they love seeing the temple profane. They love seeing it destroyed. Uh, they loved uh, when the land was going to be made desolate. They loved when Judah went into captivity, seeing people dragged away in chains. Like I said in previous, sometimes their noses and ears were cut off. Uh, that did not bother them. They enjoyed it. You and I, I would hope, could never enjoy something like that, but they did. They enjoyed this, all of it that they saw, because those people would have to be trotted through their land uh, when, you, when we look at uh, on the map where these places are. We'll look at that in just a second. And he goes on and says, um, verse 6, Because you clapped your hands and stamped your feet and rejoiced in your heart with all disdain for the land of Israel. And because of that, the Lord says, I'm going to stretch out my hand against you. I'm going to give you his plunder. Uh, the, the men, you'll become a possession for the men of the east. We'll talk about who that is in a second. They'll set their encampments around you. Uh, you'll basically become a desolate place for flocks. You'll be destroyed as a nation, removed as a nation. The people of Ammon, a little map here, this is Ammon, uh, this isn't the exact time, I couldn't find a map for the exact time period, but the, the land corresponds the same. Um, this was around the time of Jeroboam in 785-745, but again, the map where they would be is the exact same at around uh, 586 when they would, when they would glory in, Israel, in Judah's destruction, Jerusalem's destruction. But this is, uh, there's Ammon right here. The Jordan River runs from the Sea of Galilee straight down into the Dead Sea. And Ammon to the east. Uh, the people of Ammon and the Ammonites, they lived north of Moab. You can see Moab on the map. East of the Jordan River. Uh, they were on the edge of the desert. So if you're coming like from Iran, you'd come all the way across the desert. They'd be on the edge of the desert facing the Jordan on the east side if you're coming from Israel. Um, they would be what is they'd be in today what is modern day Jordan. Uh, the origin of the Ammonites is found in Genesis chapter 19, uh, verse 38. You might be familiar with that. It was the incestuous incident with Lot and his daughters. Uh, soon after Sodom was destroyed, Lot and his daughters um, uh, were left alone, and they ended up getting Lot drunk. He ends up having relations with both of them. The younger of the two daughters gives birth to Ben Ami. Uh, who becomes the father of the Ammonites and one of Solomon's wives. Now, later on, Solomon, you know, he marries many different wives that were all princesses from different kingdoms. Uh, these were setting up political relationships and uh, such. Uh, one of Solomon's wives, Nama, she was an Ammonite. She actually gave birth to Solomon's son and his successor, Rehoboam. So even Rehoboam's mother was an Ammonite. Uh, Ammon, the, the nation of Ammon, uh, was often hostile to Judah, as you might expect. If you read your Bibles, you probably will see run-ins with the Ammonites. Uh, uh, oftentimes they would not get along with Israel. You see this in Judges, First and Second Samuel, uh, Jeremiah, Lamentations, 
Amos, uh, different passages where you'll see the strife between the nations. Uh, They even aligned with Babylon. Remember, Babylon had two prior sieges against Jerusalem before the third and final siege, which was the destruction of 586 B.C. They aligned with Babylon against Judah in 600 B.C., so that would have been about 14 years earlier from the destruction, but about um, 12 and a half before the 24th chapter uh, of the siege begins. Uh, But then later, in 594 B.C., they actually tried to get Judah to join with them and rebel against Babylon. So they could change their mind politically. We never see that at all anywhere, do we? But uh, they could change their mind. Um, It's believed they later surrendered uh, to Babylon, that the Ammonites would later surrender to Babylon. Uh, We don't know exactly how that that went down. Some of the archaeological evidence, we know more about some regions than we do about others. Uh, But as as a nation, they were antagonistic towards Israel. They were opportunistic. Again, they would make deals when it made sense for them. They would cut deals when it didn't make sense for them. Very opportunistic. They were pagan. Uh, All these nations were false, worshipped false gods, had pagan practices, lots of immorality. Remember, Israel adopted some of their practices as they went down the drain spiritually. Uh, So, but then the Lord, uh, he identifies this because, and what is, what are the reasons? And I, if you're taking notes, I put three things, mockery, disdain, and malicious pleasure. Mockery, disdain and malicious pleasure. Uh, They enjoyed mocking Israel's judgment and fall. They enjoyed mocking Israel literally being a bloodbath at the hands of the Babylonians. Uh, They had a great disdain for them as a nation. Certainly some of it was probably ethnic, uh, but also uh, just again years of uh, rivalry and uh, but just they took a malicious pleasure in it. Uh, You know I don't, the longer you're saved, I hope that as believers, you don't enjoy watching just gratuitous violence. It's just a kind of a malicious pleasure. Uh, and, and I think that even when you're saved, you realize you still have a little bit of that weird, out of nowhere curiosity factor for it. And you're like, why would I even stop on this channel for a second? You ever ask yourself that? It's the Holy Spirit saying that to us. And the Holy Spirit said, yeah, I have the same question. <laughs> you ask yourself, it's really God saying, I'm wondering why you're parked there too. It's just a bunch of people being, sl- well, but this is just a good movie. And you go, all that kind of stuff. I don't know that God looks at it that way. I, I, you really ask yourself, would Jesus, some of the things that we convince ourselves are just fine. Then if you really ask yourself, would Jesus actually plop down on the couch and watch this with me? You have a hard time, and so do I, sometimes saying, oh, I'm pretty sure he would. Right? And we answer our own question. So we, 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 we're probably not uh, in any way, shape, or form, if we're born again, ever going to stoop to the things that had, uh, the Ammonites had stooped to, but we also have to kind of raise it up a level, because Jesus would, when he would teach, he would say, hey, you've heard that adultery is a sin, but I say even lust in your heart. You've heard that this is a sin, but so is this. And so the Lord calls us to a higher standard. We would not look on and just enjoy. Well, it's just a movie. It's just something. It's not even real. Sometimes I think we can look at these things and we become very similar. 
Romans chapter 2 talks a little bit about proving such things. Isaiah 28, 22 says, Now therefore do not be mockers. God hates it. Uh, judgment really belongs to the Lord. It doesn't belong to us. The other nations, obviously they were wicked in their own practices, but uh, we're called uh, in Proverbs twenty four seventeen. Uh, it says, do not rejoice when your enemy falls. Do not let your heart be glad when he stumbles. I think as Christians, um, you know, we, we would not look on at the destruction of Israel and take any pleasure in it, uh, but we really shouldn't be looking on at the pleasure of anyone, no matter who they are, because every person is a soul, every nation God loves. And it, and you go all the way to the book of Revelation, it talks about uh, in the... And at the very end of the book, talks about the leaves being healing for the nations, plural. All the nations. That God's not willing that any of them should perish. Uh, but again, Satan loves to see people die, loves to see slaughter, and loves to see God trampled through the mud. So when they're, when they're mocking and laughing and stomping their feet and rejoicing, it's really against who? God. Because that was God's house. It was His temple. Remember he, the Shekinah glory? He left the temple before the judgment came. Ezekiel actually saw the glory of the Lord depart. Uh, but they still recognized that as Israel was being judged, in their mind, God was being defeated. That's the way the world looks at things. I never, you know, you remember when the, the Twin Towers fell? There was people having a celebration in parts of the Middle East. It was like 4th of July, setting off fireworks. It was like parties, right? We shouldn't ever be, uh, as Christians, even when our enemies fall, we shouldn't take any rejoicing in it. The Lord uh, despises it. Now, the mention of Rabbah, uh, today, the city of Rabbah is Amman, Jordan. You probably hear Amman in the news sometimes, Amman uh, is now where Rabbah was. Uh, this um, mention that Rabbah would be given to the sons of the east is one of two things. We don't know for certain. It's either a reference to Babylon, which obviously comes from the east, either Babylon itself, which actually does conquer the area, uh, or it's a reference to nomadic tribes that later, after Babylon conquered, they would actually allow nomadic tribes to also come from the east and they would settle there after the city was destroyed, and they would actually have their flocks and their camels and, and sheep and goats and all that, uh, what was a city once it was actually leveled. Uh, now, obviously, uh, Amman, where it sits today, all that has been rebuilt in modern times. So, but for many, many years, uh, Rabbah would be just an area for flocks and the nomadic tribes that would actually come east. Amman, or, or Ammon, the, the nation of Ammon, uh, was absorbed by the Arabian people that would eventually come up from what would be the Arabian Peninsula. Uh, as you know, that most of the Middle East today speaks Arabic. Uh, Arabic would come up, and you know, uh, or the Ar- many of the Arab tribes and uh, nomadic peoples from different areas of the Arabian Peninsula they would settle there. Um, it would, so they would be, as a nation, absorbed into the Arabian people. And yet, despite the destruction, despite the destruction of Ammon, Jeremiah 49.6 tells us that God would later return a remnant 
of the people of Ammon. So you sometimes will, you know, remember that you're reading about a remnant in Israel, but God even was going to preserve a little remnant of Ammon as well. But they were judged primarily for their mockery, for their disdain, and again, for that malicious pleasure. Let's look at Moab, uh, verses 8 through 11. Uh, because Moab and Seir say, look, the house of Judah is like all the nations. Because uh, they basically said, Judah is no different than anybody else. God hasn't done anything special for Judah that he hadn't done for anybody else. And of course that wasn't true. Israel is, is a lot different. Not, not different in the sense that uh, every person, whether you're Jewish or Gentile, God desires every Jewish person, every Gentile person to be saved equally. But he did have a special purpose for Israel and still does. And so uh, to say that uh, is actually in direct conflict to what God had already done and what God had already promised uh, to Abraham and to the patriarchs. But Moab was just south of Ammon uh, on the east side of the Dead Sea. So you see there's Moab. Ammon's here. Just go a little bit further south. And then you got Moab. Both of them on the, uh, on the east side of the Jordan, but on the west, uh, on the western side, that would be the west coast of the Dead Sea. There, uh, Moab was the other nation. Remember, Lot had the two daughters in the same place, Genesis chapter nineteen. Uh, Moab was the other nation that descended from Lot's incestuous relationship uh, there in the nineteenth chapter, and Moab was from the older daughter or the firstborn daughter, uh, and uh, she had a son and named him Moab. They have the same name, right? So very similar name, Moab. From now on, you'll be Moab. Uh, and he became the father of the Moabites. And what the because here is really condes- uh, a condescending attitude, condescension, slander. Uh, anything that you say that isn't true, if you say the house of Judah is like all the nations, you had better back it up if God says no. Israel is my glory. It's not like all the other nations. It is like all the other nations, as I said, in the sense that souls, God loves all souls equally. But he does have a specific purpose for the nation state of Israel. And uh, it was put there for a reason. Abraham going to Mount Moriah and the temple would be built on the same place and uh, God had a special plan and purpose. It wasn't that, uh, that God had anyway failed, but the people had failed to continue to follow the Lord. But the nation state, the promises that were still given to Israel, given to the patriarchs, uh, were still in force. Uh, but they had this slanderous attitude. Uh, the house of Judah is just like any other nation. God doesn't care about them any more than anybody else. And it, it is another form of mockery as well, slandering, mocking. And so the Lord promises that Moab would also uh, be destroyed. Uh, I think. Um, I think one of the things as Christians, uh, we would need to be careful. Sometimes we <laughs> we don't have all the facts. Sometimes, and as human beings, I'm not, not just talking about being a Christian, but just part of our human nature, we will make dumb blanket statements, won't we? You ever done that? We do it all the time. We'll make statements. We'll think, oh, that's, we'll we'll throw our opinion around. You can say that, look, the house of Jews is like all the other nations. You can mean it, you can be sincerely wrong, or you can be slanderous and be wrong. You can be mocking and be wrong. Uh, But I think it's important as Christians, 
to, uh, where the, the scriptures tell us that um, where there's a multitude of words, there's sin. So to be careful, not to just throw statements out. We can kind of jump to conclusions and make statements that we can't really back up. And I think it's good and important uh, to be measured in what we say and really speak as the oracles of God. And the more that we know the word, we speak in accordance with the word. We don't make dumb blanket statements that can get us into trouble. Other people can say, that's kind of slanderous. And, it, and I think that, uh, you know, you'll, you'll see that, um, you ever seen these uh, politicians? They don't know the Lord. And boy, do they just jump into it sometimes, don't they? No measured statements. All people are fill in the blank. And God holds us accountable for the things that we say. Now, Moab had other problems too. Moab was, wasn't just what they said. It wasn't just the way that they slandered. Uh, they also were full of idolatry, full of immorality, full of evil as well. And so they would be destroyed as well. And Babylon actually destroys the cities of Moab in 582 and 581 B.C. Now, the funny, it's not funny, but uh, the, the, for them, they would look on. Remember, Israel, uh, Judah would see uh, the destruction of their own city in 586 B.C. So they wouldn't see their destruction of Moab until 582 or 581. So a few years later, four or five years later. Uh, so they could jump to the conclusion that they were judged, but we won't be judged. And this is another reminder that all nations will give an account. God's going to settle all the accounts. No nation will escape what judgment is coming for their specific sin. We talked about this throughout the study of Ezekiel, that uh, individual sin is dealt with differently than nation-state sins. What a nation does, a nation will give an account for. And so Moab might have thought they would get away with, uh, you know, Babylon wouldn't take us out. Uh, hey, hey, feel free, slaughter Israel, enjoy it, we'll enjoy it with you. But they would actually meet their own demise, 582, 581 B.C. Let's look at Edom, verses 12 through 14. Edom was just south of Moab, so they go, on, go in order, Ammon, Moab, Edom. Edom's the furthest south here. Uh, Edom was just south of Moab in a very mountainous area. Um, if we get a chance to take a church trip to Israel, which um, I would love to do, we're already kind of looking at, what would that be, a 2016 or 2017? Uh, it, was, it was interesting playing around with, uh, when I was messing around with uh, spreadsheet models uh, last few days and, and looking at years like 2020, on, when you're looking at them on columns, you're like, what will the world be like in 2020 was my thought, you know. <laughs> will I go anywhere in 2020 or 2018, 2017, all that area. But um, if, we're, if we're able to take a trip and uh, some of you would be able to go, uh, what we didn't get to when myself, my wife, and uh, a group of pastors and their wives and Dr. Russ went with us too, we didn't get to go down into what would have been ancient Edom. Uh, today it's the nation of Jordan. Uh, but Edom, it's just south of Moab, very mountainous area. Uh, some of you that have been to Israel, maybe you got all the way over uh, to Petra and the areas there uh, in ancient Edom. Very rugged, uh, rocky area that at one time stretched from 
uh, Eliot, which is, if you can see the little city right here on the Gulf of Abaca, right there. It stretched from Eliot. It used to, ancient times, it even had part of Judah there. Uh, but in ancient times, stretched from Eliot all the way up to the southern area of the Dead Sea. And uh, the rock fortress city, I mentioned Petra, uh, is in ancient Edom. Uh, you can visit Petra uh, to, this, to this day. And uh, it was actually impenetrable at times in, in ancient history. Uh, you had the ancient capital was Basra. And you may have read Basra when you've uh, been reading uh, about that Jesus will come up at the end of the tribulation. He'll come up out of Basra. He'll have blood on his robes comes up out of Basra because Basra in the tribulation period, right, in ancient Egypt, uh, Basra's right here, Basra will actually be a sanctuary for the Jewish people in the tribulation period. They will escape to Basra. Weirdest thing, the Antichrist will actually have the whole world under his thumb except for this little tiny area, Basra, which can include all the way up through where Petra is, and that part of Jordan will somehow not be under his control. Similar to the way Goshen couldn't be touched by Pharaoh when the, when the, when the plagues were being poured out on Egypt. Kind of just uh, an interesting thing that God will use Edom for Israel uh, at the end of time or at the end of the tribulation period. So, but the land area today would primarily be in Jordan. If you were to look at where Edom is on the map today, uh, be primarily where Jordan is and northern Saudi Arabia. So all three countries, Edom, uh, Ammon, Moab, and Edom, are in Jordan today, and part of ancient Edom is also in part of modern-day Saudi Arabia, where it comes off the northern part of Saudi Arabia there. Uh, at times past, uh, southern Israel and even parts of Egyptian-controlled Sinai Peninsula would also be a part of Edom. Now, after Babylon had conquered Judah... So Babylon, 586 B.C., levels Jerusalem, carries people into captivity, uh, destroys the city, sets it on fire. Uh, the Edomites would actually come up out of Edom, and many of the Edomites would settle in southeastern, Jerusalem, uh, southeastern Judah in uh, this area, all the way up to what would be Hebron. Uh, you might hear Hebron in the news sometimes. Hebron's part of the West Bank. Remember from our... Israel series, uh, pictures and stuff. Uh, the West Bank was recaptured by Israel from Jordan in 1967. Well, Hebron was all the way up to Hebron. The Edomites came and filled in when the Israelites were carried away captive. Edom stepped in and filled in a lot of that area. And they expanded uh, their, rate, uh, their reach and lived in those areas. Uh, and they actually prospered in what would be the West Bank today, for another four more centuries, they would prosper and, and do pretty well in that area. Uh, the origin of Edom was through Esau. Remember Esau, the brother of uh, Jacob? Uh, unlike Jacob, uh, he chose not to follow the God of his fathers. He did not follow uh, the Lord, and so instead uh, he would raise a pagan nation that would come from him, and then Israel would raise a nation that would follow the Lord. Well, <laughs> until eventually Israel goes off the rails as well. Uh, but King David, King David, when he was, remember uh, King David, before he became king, uh, he actually kind of worked for Saul. You guys remember that? That he kind of 
uh, did a lot of Saul's dirty work for him, even fighting against Goliath, if you recall. No one else was willing to do it. Uh, But King David uh, nearly annihilated Edom, nearly wiped it out completely during the reign. But later, um, sorry, when Saul was still king and then on to his own uh, own reign, he nearly wiped Edom out. Uh, But later during the reign of King Ahaz, the Edomites, they won back their independence and they grew as a nation again. Uh, they were finally destroyed under the Maccabean uh, time period, and the in your Bible would be the silent years from Malachi uh, to Matthew there. And the Maccabeans, uh, they actually finally destroyed and defeated the Edomites, and the Edomites would end up being kind of absorbed, whatever was left, into the same Arabian peoples that uh, would be Ammon and Moab. All that area uh, would be uh, more Arabic ever after that. Uh, but the Lord, the, because of the, uh, the reason here for, for Edom, because Edom uh, did against uh, the house of Judah taking vengeance, uh, obviously they, the opening to take their land as soon as Babylon had come in, they immediately took uh, you know, what had been previously uh, given to Judah. Uh, there was certainly bloodshed on both sides in, in, uh, in past uh, Issues that uh, all the way back to well before uh, even David uh, was actually uh, his campaign against Edom. Uh, but they hated and despised Israel, and uh, they had a lot of revenge they, on their mind. Hostility, uh, malicious pleasure, the same as you see from the others, and just that desire to see Israel destroyed and defeated and anything they could do to participate in it, they were willing to do. Uh, Psalm 137, 7 uh, says this, says, Remember, O Lord, against the sons of Edom, the day of Jerusalem, who said, raise it, raise it to its very foundations. That's R-A-Z-E, not R-A-I-S-E. They weren't saying raise Jerusalem. And so Psalm 137 records for us that the sons of Edom, when Jerusalem was attacked, were literally saying R-A-Z-E eat it, level it, destroy it. We couldn't bring them down, but you guys can. Didn't you think about people around the world that want to see America annihilated? Countries that can't do it themselves, but would actually cheer China on like you wouldn't believe. Would cheer Russia on like you wouldn't believe. Would cheer Iran on like, you know, there's other peoples and other nations that couldn't pull it off themselves, but they would be right there saying, not R-A-I-S-E it, not raise it up, raise it, level it, destroy it. And this is the, and this is the attitude. Now God holds them in account uh, because anytime if you're not a follower of God, but you want other people destroyed, the same witness is against yourself, right? I mean, eat them. It's pot, meat, kettle when they're pointing at Israel. Edom has their own full of sin issues. They're idolatrous. They also don't follow the Lord. Now, Israel, what, what's most noteworthy for us as Americans is our country, similar to Israel, we actually have all the Judean Christian background. We are more responsible because we've been given to whom much is given, much is required. So we've been given, like Israel, so much biblical foundation as a nation. 
Even uh, K.P. O'Hannon says that, you know, when, uh, when he first came to the United States, when he first started, first started bringing over um, pastors from India who had been saved out of Hinduism and had lived their entire life in India. They'd never been in the United States. They'd never left India. When he first started bringing them to the United States, they couldn't believe how well the traffic system worked. They couldn't believe that people actually stopped at red lights. That people actually stop signs. They really would come to a stop, look both ways, and then proceed. They rec- you know what they recognized? All of them. They recognized that the presence of God's laws, not that everyone was saved. They didn't have this conception that every American I see at the street corner is a Christian. They didn't have that conception. They had the immediate understanding that the blessings and benefits of following God's laws had transferred all the way down to traffic patterns. And they really have. And so Edom might not have the benefits of Israel's structure, because Israel still followed, even in their wickedness, some of the biblical structure, uh, even though God hated it because it was lukewarm, you know, they had bitter and sweet coming out, still temple worship, still revered the prophets, still were an idolatry. Edom would have been all evil in the sense that they, they had no place for God at all, but they still, even though they didn't have all the they didn't have all the prophets in the background that, uh, that Judah had. They still had enough sin that for them to laugh and to point and say, raise it, level it, God says, you know, you're right. My people do deserve judgment. It's exactly why I'm bringing it on them. But if America's ever judged and all the other nations of the world are sitting back laughing at us, they won't get to laugh that long. Because theirs will be right on the heels. Moab was four or five years later. They received the same treatment. And right as we get into the next few chapters, actually the next three chapters are dedicated to Tyre, uh, the city of Tyre. And you'll see the, uh, the illusion of the king of Tyre made to Satan himself. And we really believe that Satan himself was actually very active in the city of Tyre. So God devotes three chapters to the next city we'll look at. But... All of, the, um, all of the nation's judgment that we see that he talks about comes at the hands of other nations. So as soon as one nation laughs at another one, Babylon will never be conquered. Persia knocks Babylon over. Then comes Greece, <clears throat> knocks Persia over. Then comes Rome, knocks Greece over, right? And that's the way it works. So while Edom is laughing and enjoying, raise it to the ground, R-A-Z-E, God is saying to Edom, your sins will be uncovered. Lamentations 4.22, it says this, O daughter of Edom, he will uncover your sins. Because the world doesn't think, well, if we don't follow God, we don't answer to God. The atheist can tell you that. Well, if I don't follow God, I don't have to answer to God. I don't even believe he exists. doesn't matter if you believe he exists or not. Can't remember which astronaut said, you take one step, foot out, uh, <laughs> You'll know he exists real quick when they're out in orbit. Let's look at the last country here, Philistia. You see in the Old Testament oftentimes the Philistines. Philistia was on the Mediterranean coast right here. Today, that's where the Gaza Strip is, often in the news. Hamas, they really love the people of Judah today, don't they? Uh, 
understand that all Palestinians don't hate all Jews. There are born-again Palestinians, and we've got men that at the East Coast Passion Conference, Tom Doyle was talking about that. There are born-again Palestinians that are at Christian universities. There are born-again Jews and Palestinians that actually love each other as brothers in Christ. So don't, don't, under, don't, don't believe that all Palestinians hate all Jews. Some Palestinians hate Jews. Some Jews hate Palestinians. And then you've got born-again ones that actually are new in Jesus. Amen? But this is where the Gaza Strip is today, right there, smack in the middle of what would be Philistia. And then this part is actually modern-day Israel, like Ashdod is part of Israel now. But it would have been on the uh, southwestern coast of Israel. Now, nobody's really certain where the Philistines come from. They, they remain <laughs> a bit of an enigma uh, archaeologists, anthropologists, there's a lot of difference. Some say they came from the Egyptians. Some say they came from other Mediterranean countries, Greece, different islands. Some say they came uh, from um, uh, even to the uh, west. Uh, some of the countries, like all the way over to where Babylon is. Nobody knows for certain where the Philistines came from. But boy, when they got there, they were a problem for Israel, weren't they? Wherever they came from, they plopped down, and it was Hatfields and McCoys. He kind of finishes with Philistia because these two countries never got along. Kind of the way the Palestinians in Israel right now today. Uh, I don't believe the Palestinians, by the way, are descendants of, Philist- descendants of the Philistines. You'll hear some people say that. I don't think that at all. I think the Palestinians, it's, there's plenty of evidence that they are all Arab, brought up uh, from Arab nations. But anyway, uh, where the Philistines originally originate from, we don't know for certain. There's lots of theories about it. We do know about the Cherethites that are mentioned here. Uh, he says, I will cut off the Cherethites. The Cherethites uh, actually came from Crete. That we know. They came from Crete. They actually became part of the Philistine nation. And so they totally said, we're all in. For all intents and purposes, we will become Philistines. But they were... Uh, from the island of Crete. Uh, they were arch enemies for centuries against Israel. The Philistines constantly oppressed and harassed Israel. The way that Goliath talked to Israel was the way the nation always thought about Israel, mocking their God, just, just didn't, uh, didn't have any uh, love lost between them. Uh, because of their revenge and because of their violence, because of their unrelenting, look what it says. It talks about the old hatred. Because of the old hatred, Hatred goes deep, doesn't it? I think as Christians, we have to beware. Even after you're saved, there can be some old hatred to someone way back in your life. Even someone that may have really harmed you. Maybe you were divorced before you ever became uh, a believer. And and it was a long time ago. But there still can be the old hatred can fester. And you have to get rid of it. Because even though... You might not be a country bent on vengeance. It still can actually poison us. Hatred rarely is, uh, when it, as we keep it to ourselves, it's rarely bothering the other party, especially if they don't even know you have it, but it sure will eat us up. Uh, but it can certainly go far beyond eating ourselves up. We certainly can, people take hatred uh, as we see uh, ethnicities that hate each other, uh, different religious groups around the world that hate each other, uh, different political sects in our country, I mean, hate each other. 
You tell someone what political party, someone will hate you instantaneously. Hey, you don't even know me. I don't even tell people anymore. I don't say, I'm no party. Except for Jesus. I'm a born-again believer. What party is that? Neither are the ones that you're thinking about, right? <laughs> people hate just because of that. Proverbs 10, 12 says, 10, 12 says, Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sins. See, we're called to be love, not hatred. God hated the Philistines' hatred. Because hatred is sin. God hates sin. He didn't hate the Philistines. He desired them to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. They would be destroyed. Uh, Babylon, the same Babylon that destroys Israel, will eventually destroy um, the Philistines. And uh, between the Babylonian conquest and the later Persian conquest, the Philistines actually completely disappear as an ethnic group by the late 5th century B.C. There's really no record of any Philistine people ethnically after that period uh, gone. But I think as we, as we you know, look at a text like this, and as I started out at the beginning, uh, it doesn't have the same direct discipleship as we'd see in something like Luke 14. But there is things that for us to learn, that, that, that God wants us still uh, to not model these behaviors, to, to be very circumspect with our speech, to not, uh, to not enjoy the same malicious pleasures from a distance, some kind of voyeurism of violence and, and all the things that uh, these people uh, really, they really wanted to see bloodshed. They really wanted to see vengeance. Uh, we need to have the heart of Christ. It's the heart of love. And we look at the Palestinians with love. We don't look at them with disdain. We look at uh, Muslims around the world that are, that are in darkness. We don't say, boy, I hope these wicked people are annihilated from, from the face of the earth. Now, I, I pray first for their salvation, uh, but I also do pray that God would stop them dead in their tracks. But that is for the protection that other lives would be saved, not so much that, hey, we want to see them judge. That was the Jonah problem with Nineveh, wasn't it? Jonah had the disdain for Nineveh that he could not even preach to them, didn't want to preach to them, and we can't have that heart. And so uh, even though God's going to bring vengeance, remember he says in Romans, vengeance is what? Mine, saith the Lord. Our only call is to love people all the way till he returns. Amen? Vengeance belongs to the Lord. He will mete out vengeance to nations and individuals, uh, but that's God's business. We don't really have any part of it. We just leave that to him. Amen? Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for this time again tonight in your word. Uh, we ask, Lord, that you would give us a heart of love for the nations. Lord, we know that you will uh, be pouring out vengeance, not just on four nations, but all the nations of the world. As you've done in the past, you'll do, and you'll even gather all the nations uh, for a final judgment. Lord, we pray that until that time, we would be the salt and light speaking the truth in love that would actually pull people out of the fire, even, even the garments that they're wearing, as you said in the book of Jude. And we pray, Lord, that you would use this study uh, just to make us even more aware uh, of the lost condition of those that don't know the truth. And Lord, they don't know, as Nineveh, you said of Nineveh, they didn't know their right hand from their left hand. Lord, we pray that you would give us words of wisdom and truth to actually speak to those uh, that, Lord, are under the indictment of judgment, and don't even know it. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Well, you are dismissed. Uh, oh, by the way.